Hello and welcome to Clean Beauty Asia's podcast. I'm your host, Ali Rook. This interview series is a collection of conversations with people who operate, support, and facilitate beauty brands doing business in Asia. My aim is to provide valuable insights and information to make your beauty brand's transition into Asia as smooth and successful as possible. This first series is dedicated to cross-border e-commerce in China, and I really hope you find it valuable. Thank you so much for listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of my interview series. Today, I'm really happy to have Meta Knutsen here. She's the CEO of Knutsen and CRC, a consulting firm based in Shanghai and focused on helping foreign brands uh, with product registration and regulatory compliance for the China market. Meta has been following the animal testing changes very closely, to say the least, like she's really been at the forefront of this for many years. So I'm very happy to have her here to discuss this in more detail um, in regards to the changes that have happened since the 1st of May. So Meta, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you, Ellie, for inviting me. I'm happy to be here. Um, so... As I sort of said before we started this, I think most of my audience have a general understanding of the fact that animal testing has, you know, for non-special um, use cosmetics, there's been these major changes that started off on, uh, from the 1st of May, but there are still, there's a lot of unknowns around this and a lot of questions for brands. Mm -hmm. So what, you're going through this already with, with many brands. What are the main difficulties that you are finding through this process? I mean, one, for example, the GMP certificate certification, maybe um, we can talk about that. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. As you say, uh, in the new CSR, the new regulatory framework for cosmetics in China, the most uh, thrilling or exciting part was, of course, that uh, it was the end of mandatory animal tests for regular. Uh, cosmetics as they call it now and uh, so we have special cosmetics and then we have regular cosmetics and for regular cosmetics it was possible now to bypass a uh, animal test for the first time ever for imported cosmetics which was Yay. amazing <laughs> yeah amazing first step in the right direction first step mm. uh, but it was really really great but obviously it doesn't come for free um, in the sense that there are a lot of uh, additional requirements. So it's not just uh, the GMP certificate, but also a number of other requirements. The GMP certificate is a requirement that the Chinese uh, government have already had in place in China. So mm -hmm. for Chinese uh, produced uh, cosmetics, they already were uh, required to show proof of a GMP certificate in order to avoid uh, animal tests uh, as part of the product registration. So they have had this trial period since 2015, and uh, and now uh, it's actually open to imported uh, cosmetics as well. And essentially, it's like this: that this GMP certificate is is not something that is normally very complicated to get. It's an ISO mm -hmm. 22 uh, 22716 certificate, and the uh, and that's actually what many cosmetic manufacturers already have. The big difference here uh, in China is that they actually require the government to sign off on this uh, GMP certificate. Mm -hmm. And of course, that has caused some countries a lot of headaches because mm -hmm. this is not a normally a field where the government is um, involved. Um, and uh, and to sign off on a, on a GMP certificate is definitely beyond the scope of most governments. So... 
Yeah. Uh, many uh, uh, governments had actually to set up a whole new mechanism in order to enable this DMP mm. uh, certificate. I know from from UK, uh, they have a whole new mechanism under the trade uh, international trade uh, division in in in, the, in UK and in the same in France. Um, okay. I know that Spain has been it has been a relatively easy process as far as I understand in Spain because it was already under the kind of government it was possible to do that already. Um, mm -hmm. So some countries it, it has been a huge work and for other countries um, uh, a, a rather minor um, you know mechanism to put in place. And I think Europe um, has been quite far in that process already. I mean uh, most of the countries here. Uh, have that certificate in place of the manufacturing, uh, but but back to that uh, for the new law, it's a it's it's DMP certificate that is definitely the biggest uh, barrier that has come uh, as a precondition to uh, bypass uh, these animal tests, and and the, I think um, secondly, it's also important to note that uh, there are other things that can trigger animal tests. It's not only the DMP certificate, but it's also the efficacy claims uh, on the products and and the, and also the um, um, what do you say? Just a second. I just need to find the right words to say in English. Alright. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because the problem is it's only uh, regular cosmetics that that um, that uh, can bypass uh, animal tests. Special cosmetics still need uh, yeah. uh, animal tests. So therefore, it's really, really important for the brands to keep that in mind. That if they come with a claim like uh, skin whitening, for example, they go mm -hmm. directly into a special use cosmetic or sunscreen yeah. products and so forth. But also yeah. for new, new ingredients, uh, because mm -hmm. the, in the new law, we also have uh, the opening for new ingredient registrations, but uh, cruelty-free brands just need to keep in mind that uh, when they register new ingredients, they're actually triggering animal tests as well. So uh, it's it's important to keep that in mind that it's not mm. only the GMP certificate, it's actually a number of other conditions that has to be compliant with the new law in order to uh, avoid this uh, testing, um, unnecessary testing. Mm, okay okay so all new ingredients are the process for that does involve animal testing yeah yeah so it's the first step you know when we have a new client the first thing we do is actually to provide an ingredient screening and we do it free of charge i think many other agents also do that free of charge because obviously you all we all know that for example uh, many brands they have this hero ingredient that are special that they're using in their product specifically right and if that mm. product, if that ingredient is not approved, um, and they're going to apply for a new uh, ingredient approval, then uh, this will actually trigger animal tests. So, so it's um, it's 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 vital to screen your products first, and then yeah. for some brands, uh, it's it's a no go. I mean, they won't be able to enter the market. That's just how it is. Yeah. Yes. Yes. As the then, and so as as I say to many brands, cross border e commerce still has a. Um, has a place <laughs> and of course you know as we've talked about before there are other routes um yeah the market yeah, through definitely, um, definitely. manufacture I, I local think, manufacture i think there's one thing you should keep in mind because there's no doubt that uh, even for cross-border e-commerce we will see new requirements as well uh yeah. we recommend cross-border as a kind of a, a first step to the market mm -hmm. like you know it's a good tasting of the market mm -hmm. uh, 
but they but they, we just know that there will also be uh, stricter regulations for cosmetics sold on cross-border e-commerce, but that will most likely come into effect in the new year because uh, right now all the focus is on actually on registration of cosmetics. But so we recommend still that uh, brands try out cross-border as a first step. Yes. I mean, even the other day we saw the banning of CBD, right? Any CBD yeah. products. And that was across cross-border. That's every, everywhere, right? It's completely banned. So um, that... Yeah, and we actually, it, it was it, it was no surprise uh, at yeah. all. Uh, we have actually recommended our brands not to use, for example, CBD for since yeah, the last two years because we knew that that will eventually come into effect. And I think mm. for some brands, we can predict that there are certain ingredients as if you can see some kind of, how do you say that, dispute about the safety of an ingredient um, internationally, uh, the likelihood that China will ban that ingredient is quite likely. Uh, Pretty high. Because, mm. Yeah, uh, safety is number one in China. Of course, of course, yeah. yeah. Mm. And then the other thing that's um, been sort of a hot topic is this idea of the responsible agent. So yeah. that's something that uh, there's a lot more, the new regulation, there's a lot more yeah. responsibility on the responsible agent, right? So, <laughs> so how are brands navigating that? It's a very good question because it has given a lot of headaches uh, and it's for everyone. Um, it's, a, it's a new law that is uh, applied for everyone to, for uh, domestic cosmetics as well as imported cosmetics and special cosmetics. So there's no, there's no one that are not um, under that requirement. And it essentially it's like this, that in Europe we have uh, what we call a responsible person. And that responsible yep. person had to have, you know, the PIF files and so forth. It's it's almost the same, just much, much stricter in China. So in China, it's like this, that the responsible person is uh, a requirement in order to register your products. And actually, it's one of the first things that the brands need to decide because we need to input the name and address of the responsible person when we start the product registration process. So mm. it's a, a vital requirement. The problem is that... Um, there are a long list of requirements to the responsible agent, and not only in regards to their roles and responsibilities, they have to report to the NMPA, they have to do the um, recall system, uh, they have to implement the recall system, they have to implement a system where you can, when you, for example, are going to conduct a recall, you need to know exactly where that particular batch of product are distributed, you have to monitor all that in order to be able to make a, a, a safe quality and safety system uh, uh, that is required, right? But also the uh, person, the responsible person has to have a, a specific type of uh, CV uh, and experience. So it's not enough just to, um, uh, that they can conduct the rules, but that they also as a person have the qualification to conduct yeah. the rules. So uh, mm. you can only imagine that the demand for this kind of person has definitely gone up in China <laughs> yeah. afterwards. <laughs> so, uh, but 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 I think there are ways to overcome this. Uh, so first of all, we provide that service uh, in our entity, and I know that uh, many other okay. agents are also providing that. Um, so it's it's definitely possible to to ask someone to to do it temporary and then. Um, uh, when the brand has a legal entity in China that uh, they are able to take over the responsibility. Right. And I think obviously because of the pandemic as well, uh, a lot of brands has been delayed in their establishment mm. 
uh, in China and they're not able to come uh, to the same extent. So we also see a lot of, I would say, forgiveness from the authorities in the sense that obviously they understand that there are certain structures that, that the, the pandemic is, is making it difficult for foreigners yeah. to, to set up. So I think, it, but it is a huge, huge difficulties. And I think right now we're doing a lot of translation of the systems. Uh, so you translate the quality and management system uh, from, for example, English or French or Spanish into uh, Chinese. Um, and that is for the, for also for the brands to be able to uh, understand what they need to manage in the future because it's yeah. the brand's responsibility, right? Um, yeah. So it's a huge work, yeah. Yeah, massive work, massive work. And it's good It's good to hear that there are independent parties like yourselves that are able to yeah. do that for brands because, yeah. you know, that's a concern that we've talked about in the past about the distributor being that responsible person. Yeah. And nope. is that, you know, you really don't want to have that, right? You nope. need, you nope. want to nope. separate that. Yeah, yeah. so Definitely. it's good. It's one of the, the one of our biggest, um, yeah, I would say, it's, it's the advice, uh, apart from other essential advice like trademarks and so forth, that we say, mm. please, please do not appoint your distributor as your responsible agent. I think for some brands, they're thinking it could be an easy solution because the distributor is already there, blah, 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 blah. The problem is just that you give away all your most confidential information. And it's not just... Uh, uh, the the ingredient list and your formulations it's actually down to the production of your products uh, the production processes uh, and today you even have to uh, provide the authorities and therefore also the responsible person with the information about all your suppliers so your they sourcing can yes yeah it's everything you can just give away all your secrets and you don't do that to a distributor I would no, definitely never. not <laughs> no. agree I totally agree yes well goodness um I'm glad brands have another have that other option yeah and in terms of um how long like you know obviously it's only just started yeah. this process yeah. but yeah. how long you envisage it taking you see it taking and sort of other bumps in the road that you've already come across with the brands that you're helping i think it, as long as the brands they they actually have the documentation and therefore i think maybe the european uh, brands that have done the uh, the pif files already they may have an advantage because mm -hmm. the system is very much like the european system just a little bit i would say stricter um but they but it would take approximately six months to do a regular cosmetic product registration of imported cosmetics. But it all depends on whether the brand is actually prepared for this. Um, so do they have, you know, for example, efficacy claim uh, support, uh, can they provide that? Have they done the testing of their Clinical efficacy time. claims, right? Yeah. And, and, the, and the safety assessment reports, do they already have that? You know, um, and then obviously, um, the packaging material today, it also has to be compliant with a number of requirements. And finally, they have to register all their ingredients suppliers in the system. And that's a new requirement. It's not something we have in Europe either. So actually, what we do is we start by, in the future, we would start by registering all the ingredients suppliers in the system before we even do the product registrations because we right. have to connect these two, right? So I think mm -hmm. it will take, when all the ingredients are in the system and we have all the documentation, 
it won't take longer than the previous registrations that was kind of four months, five months, but they, we say mm -hmm. six months to be on the safe side. Yeah. Sure. It's all new, yeah. right? It's all new. Yeah. Like with anything, yeah. we don't know. when it's new, it's not clear. It's definitely no. not clear yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, not at all. No. So, but I think we have some, I, I, we have a hope that actually, and I think that's very relevant for color cosmetics, for example, because color cosmetic is what we call fast fashion in within yeah. cosmetics, right? And then, and time to market is, is extremely important. When you launch a, a product, you have to, yeah, you, a new color, nail color, or lip uh, color, you have to be really fast with the trends, right? And and therefore, time to market is very important. And I think when the new ingredient system uh, is up and running in China, you already have the ingredients in the, in the system and the suppliers there, it will be much, much faster. And I think okay. we can get it down to maybe four months, uh, three, three mm. to four months. Mm. Okay. Well, that's that's good. That's definitely good news. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Streamlining, streamlining it. Yeah, um, not going to <laughs> Yes, hopefully. Um, and we talked briefly before this about, you know, obviously you've said for European brands, the system, it should be fairly transferable yeah. with these extra requirements but say for brands from the US and any you know other major markets Australia for example what what's yeah. the, some of the roadblocks you're seeing for those markets it's a, it, some countries definitely have some huge barrier ahead of them and I think US uh, is maybe um, it, 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 it's kind of more terrible than ever because um Previously, the trade barrier that uh, animal test was uh, posing apart from the food tea aspect of it uh, was actually for everyone. That meant that all food tea brands were kept out yeah. of the market, right? Yeah. But what have happened now is that some brands get market access and other brands does not, depending on where they are produced, right? And I think that's... Um, that's a, a terrible situation because obviously right now uh, a lot of our U.S. brands are kept out of the market because uh, they do not have the GMP certificate and they and, and 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 they cannot enter the market until this is solved and meanwhile their competitor can enter the market. So we do quite a lot in order to help uh, governments and states and and the lobbyists and whatever who are stakeholders in this and 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 try to work together on providing them with input on how to make a mechanism that can enable the U.S. government to sign up, uh, sign under, you know, this kind of certificate. Whether mm. it's going to be a state-focused solution or or it's going to be for the entire U.S., we, we don't know yet. Um, but we definitely hope that they will find a solution because the alternative would be either that the brands are kicked out of the market or that uh, they're relocating their production to countries where the TMP certificate is actually um, available. So it's mm -hmm. um, it's not so good, uh, but we do everything. Yeah. And we actually, I can emphasize that we do that free of charge because of our Leaping Bunny uh, project. We, we also help governments free of charge. Uh, so um, it's, it's part of our own CSR uh, and mm. we hope that we can solve that final barrier. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So important. I mean, so many of the globes of the world's wonderful beauty brands are coming out of the US. So we, we exactly, make sure. exactly. Yeah. And they're they're especially the US brands. They have first of all an amazing branding in China, but you can also see on the demand that they they cut they range really really high on the demand uh, on the market, right? Yeah. So so it's 
it's it's we have to solve it some somehow mm. uh, and then I can maybe add that if anyone would like to discuss how to solve this, they can reach out immediately, Ali, because Perfect. We, we want to help as much as we can to yeah. remove that barrier, right? The final no, that's one. fantastic. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And I suppose my last question is one that may be slightly controversial. Do you think that all this is actually moving everyone towards local manufacture? Is that the is that the ultimate goal in terms of because it's quite a few barriers in place, right? And and local yeah. manufacturer has been there as an option for a while, cruelty yeah. free yeah. option. Yeah, it has been an amazing thing actually to see uh, the the uh, how many of our brands that has uh, moved into local production and have had good experiences with it. But um, I also want to say that for flexibility reasons. I think we would see that many brands uh, would go into the imported option, uh, back to the imported option when it's possible for them. Uh, okay. uh, because um, you can you can definitely save uh, quite a lot of money on, on local production in logistics and, and also sourcing locally. Um, and what has been a positive thing has been that uh, many consumers in China does not think that made in China is a bad thing. So, so yeah, what our... Yeah, our fear was that that could be a, a problem, but it has shown to be not a problem at all. Uh, but mm. I think I think uh, the biggest thing that might move into local production, not only in China but all over the world, is actually sustainability. Uh, um, critical consumers to say that 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 actually mm. the younger consumer they have a lot of focus on 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 using brands that has been transported from one end of the world to the other, right and and I think, therefore, we would see maybe more sustainability considerations uh, for brands and therefore local production might not just be a, a food free consideration, but also a, a sustainable consideration uh, to produce local. But it's it's everywhere in the world, I think. It's not only mm. time. Mm, no, that's an interesting, that's an interesting thought, actually. Yes, definitely. The d- consumer yeah. demand towards sustainability forces brands to have a local... Yeah. Um, a local yeah. production option yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah but as you as you sort of um, mentioned as well it is difficult in terms of flexibility right it like is for brands it is complexity and yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and and the thing is that as I mentioned before time to market has become extremely uh, important for the brands uh, there's uh, the, the, the just like in fashion the turnover of new products yeah. and new uh, efficacy claims and so forth is just going so fast uh, mm. and therefore you don't have time to set up a, a copy of your a local your own home production in China as well as fast as that because mm. it takes a longer time uh, so I think uh, it will be a trade-off between time to market and then uh, cost savings in China and also the sustainability a consumer that will put a pressure on, on brands to produce locally. So it's kind of a trade-off. Um, but yeah. I think for the first few years, we will see a lot of imported cosmetics, uh, our cruelty-free brands entering the market a lot, a lot. Yeah, a lot. Which is exactly. good and because there's been no competition. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. It's really good. I mean, I think yeah. also this, this point about how cross-border e-commerce is going to develop is another very interesting one and a topic for another day but um, yes, yes. you know how the, how the government's going to sort of manage all that together yes. 
in yeah. in the in the sort of real view of consumer safety, right? Like under that umbrella, exactly. but just exactly. just how that affects everyone is is a is a really interesting one. Very interesting. Um, so Actually, that, you can see that yeah. the claim of cruelty free and vegan is now on the on the top ten list online. So uh, while we were not even on the radar mm. when we started the project in fifteen, uh, now uh, the consumers are actually searching actively after both vegan cosmetics and cruelty free cosmetics. So mm. something is happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I see. Exactly, I see that with clean as well. It's not the reason people buy, but it's starting to be part of yeah. the thought process, right? Exactly. So that's, exactly. That's good news. Yeah, that's yeah. good news. Great. Well, Meta, <laughs> thank you so much, Meta. That was really fascinating. And um, thank you. If people, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Just write an email uh, to me. Like okay. the the email, you can write it maybe under the interview. And just yeah. write an email. And since I personally I'm located in Europe for the time being until the summer, and they and they, they can just reach me uh, on the email and and we can set up a call. So okay, welcome. perfect. I'll put yeah. all the de I'll put all the details there. And um, you're Great. such a fantastic resource. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ali. Thank you so much for joining me in this episode of Clean Beauty Asia, the podcast with me, Ali Rook. I hope you found the content useful with tips and tricks and takeaways that can really help you move your China journey forward. I always like to hear from my listeners, so please join me on LinkedIn, Ali Rook, or Instagram, Clean Beauty Asia, and I'll be very happy to talk to you more. Thanks again for listening. See you next week.